The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. place. 2 Kings chapter 4. Good. Good. Dude, I just, 50 year old just threw down a rap. You check that out. Well, I'm not 50 yet. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I feel like I'm 20. I wouldn't trade. The, I wouldn't trade going backwards for nothing. I was dumb as a box of rocks when I was 20 something. Thought I knew something. Oh, hallelujah. 2 Kings chapter four. Find verse eight. We'll we'll read through uh, until I stop. Now it happened one day that Elijah went from Shunem. There was a notable woman. She persuaded him to eat some food, which is not hard to do with a preacher. So it was as often as he passed by that he would turn in there to eat some food. Verse 9. And he said to her husband, look now, there's this holy man of God who passes by regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall. Let's put a bed there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it'll be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and he lay down there. And he said to Gehazi, the servant, call the son of my woman. And when he called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned with all this care what can we do for you? Do you want me to speak for the king on, on your behalf or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. In other words, I'm all good. I don't need anything. Verse 14. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son. And her husband's old. It's saying a lot. Right there. So he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood at the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, don't lie to your maidservant. She's totally overwhelmed. It's too good to be true. So he, she says, don't say it. It's too much for her to fathom. Verse 17. But the woman conceived. And she bore a son at the appointed time, when the appointed time to come, which Elijah had told her, verse 18, and the child grew. Now it happened one day when he was out to his father, to the reapers, that he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. When he had taken him, he brought him to his mother, and he sat on her knees till noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send one of your young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, Why are you going to him today? It's neither a new moon nor a Sabbath. And she said, It's well. And she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace. For me, unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And so it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run and meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? 
is it well with your child? And she answered, is it, it is well. And when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Verse 28. And so she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready. and Take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and he followed her. Gehazi went ahead of him. They laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went back to meet, meet him and told him, saying, The child has not awakened. When Elijah came to the house, there was a child lying dead on his bed. And he went in therefore and shut the door behind the two of them. He prayed to the Lord. He went up and he lay on the child and he put his mouth to his mouth and his eyes to his eyes and his hands to his hands and he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on the child and the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes, opened his eyes and he called Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came in, he said, pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet, bowed to the ground, and she picked up her son and went out. Lord, you are altogether awesome, and as we were singing, you are good. And so we ask you, awesome God of creation and power and majesty and dominion, that you would come tonight. That you'd release living understanding to this congregation, all those that are online listening by the podcast, those that are listening over YouTube, perhaps at a later date, on the World Wide Web, God, let this message have far-reaching effects even to eternity, not only for those here, but those even around the world that would listen later. And we thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to say, don't give up. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, don't give up. Okay, one more time with all your heart on the count of three, and then we'll sit down. One, two, three, don't give up. That's pretty good, not quite as loud as I know you can do it on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Don't give up. That's KC Alaska right there. Don't give up. I have been through many, many disappointments in my life. I've been through incredible times of discouragement, and I'm sure you have also. No matter what disappointment you go through in your life, no matter what kind of discouragement you face, you have to learn to handle it the way that the Word of God says to handle it. I've known people that have run, turned heel and hide because they're just so upset, so afraid. I've seen people angry at God. I mean, what are you going to get angry at God for? That's a bad idea. God's good. Remember that. God is devil bad. But there are times that take place in our lives, and, and knowing that God is in control of every infinitesimal detail, I have to trust and believe the Scriptures when it says that He's causing things in my life to will and act according to his good purpose. I believe that God is masterfully orchestrating the notes of my life and your life if you'll serve him and not your flesh. You'll serve him and not somebody else. You'll serve and trust God and not the devil or the world. I have to believe that he'll take the notes of our lives and orchestrate them like a masterful musician Upon the notes of the, 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 the staff of our life, you know, in the sheet music. So that he makes this beautiful, beautiful life out of your life. A beautiful sound, a symphony, if you will. 
This text is, is a profound one for me. So let's take a look at it. Now, Elisha is the one who received the double portion from Elijah. And if you study that, you'll find Elijah did seven major miracles. Elisha does 14, exactly double. And so he's been picked and taken over the, the job of prophet in Israel. He's got the mantle of Elijah, and he's his successor. And he comes past this place called Shunem, apparently on a regular basis. And there's this notable woman, that means a wealthy woman. Of course, the man's wealthy also, this wealthy family that he comes in contact with. And, and he would stop in and, and eat there. Now, I know... That we know that she's notable, but you have to understand that if the man came back to eat the food, it wasn't nasty chicken that tastes like wood. Do you understand? It was some seriously good food that he, it was probably shrimp and lot, no, that, like, you're not allowed to eat that. But if it was today, it would be shrimp, lobsters, king crab legs, amen. You know, and then not margarine, butter, you know what I mean? Or whatever your favorite meal is, it would be something like that. So she would make the food. Apparently, it's not nasty. He comes back to eat it time and time again. And the woman, knowing that Elijah is a man of God, wants to do something for him. I've heard this message preached probably a hundred times. Not the one I'm preaching specifically, but this text, I should say. And one text I heard from a friend of mine, Make Room for the Anointing, it talks about how this lady made room for God in her house, made room for, to honor the man of God, but to honor his presence, to honor the word, to honor the kingdom, and as a result, God rewarded her. The thing about the reward that she receives, and we'll look at that, you know, that dies, which is a significant problem. Your promise, your dream, that which she had hoped, dies. But they, they build this, they do an addition onto their room, onto their house. And because of her generosity and because she's honoring him and making him this food, he wants to do something for her. He wants to bless her. So he asked Gehazi to call her. He wouldn't speak directly to her, you'll see. And so Gehazi talks to her. No, I've got everything, all is well. But Gehazi reveals, actually, there's one missing thing in her life that she doesn't have a child. Now, to not have a child is... In, in Scripture, you'll see, to be barren was not a sign of the blessing. It was a sign that basically something's probably wrong with you, maybe a sign of the curse. But if you look in the book of Luke chapter 1, you'll see a man, his name is Zechariah. He's a priest. He's married to a priest's daughter. Her name is Elizabeth. And he goes to burn incense, something that a priest would do probably one time in his life. He goes in to burn incense, and an angel of the Lord shows up and says, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. But the Hebrew, the, the Greek, rather, to understand what it says, the prayer that you used to pray has been heard, is really what it means. So what it really means is the angel says, hey, the prayer you used to pray, God heard the prayer, and now the answer is coming. Your wife's going to have a child. And he's going to be great. He's going to do this. He's going to be, have the, the spirit of the power of Elijah. He's going to be, have a Nazarite anointing. That's John the Baptist. And he prophesied John the Baptist. And he would be the forerunner of Jesus. And so Zechariah is blown away. Because one, he was, he was old. He was beyond the ability to, to procreate. And here the angel says, the prayer you used to pray has been heard. And he's like, what? How do I know? And immediately he's judged for his unbelief. But it reminds me of that. It reminds me of that text. It was a great reproach to a couple who could not have children. Consequently, we have seen people have miraculous child, people that were, you know, just not able to and spent thousands, tens of thousands of dollars on doctors to, to, to become pregnant, have a child. And we've seen them healed here. Not, not just one, many. In fact, when we travel around, we've seen that. That's just something. In fact, tonight, 
Listen, tonight, if you're married and you desire to have a child, we could pray for you. and You're going to have to add some faith to that, but God can bless you. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. And so this text reminds me of that. And so he wants to reward her. And so, he's, so Gehazi figures it out and says she doesn't have a son. And so he says, by this time tomorrow, and she's so freaked out because it touches her in the deepest place of her hurt. It touches her in the deepest place of her disappointment. And God's going to answer that. And I want to tell you something. When you serve God, you serve God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength. He will satisfy every desire of your heart. And it might not happen when you're in your 20s. I'm telling you, He'll bless you. You're going to have to walk this walk, and it's not about this life either. But He will bless you, and He will give you, He will satisfy you. Like Abraham was satiated. Do you know what to be satiated is? You know, like Thanksgiving, when you just ate everything, and then, and then had some more pie, had some more, oh, and then just like, oh, I think I've sinned. I need to sleep. You know, and you just trick the fan out, you take a nap. That's satiated. So full of years, so full of life, so full of the blessing of God that you just can't, you'll just cry in a moment. You think about what God's done for you. I'm going to tell you something. That is what God will do for you and for me if you live for Him with all your heart. Oh, you might not get it this year, you impatient thing. Quit acting like a baby and trust his leadership. I want it now. I want it now. Now. I'm, listen, my, when my kids used to talk to me like that, that's the last, they, that's especially when they're not getting it. Why? Because I'm not their whipping post. Amen. Come on, if, you're, if you whine and cave into your kids when they're whining, I'm not, I'm not talking about a right heart of, of crying out and appealing. There's a right process of that. I think the Lord wants us to do that. But I mean shake your fist at God. If you even love me, if you, you're going to give me that now. I'm, I, I'm convinced he's like, you got a little wise to go. He loves you. He'd destroy all your idols. He's a jealous God. Loves you so much. He'll be sure to destroy anything that gets in the way of your love relationship with Him. You might not like that, but you'll like it later if you submit. Come on. Those whom the Lord loves, He beats the hell out of. Amen. Those whom the Lord loves, He, he chastens as a good son. How many of you know if you got any hell on the inside of you before you get offended by a little word called hell? If you got any of that in you, how many of you know it would be great if God helped you get it out? But she's overwhelmed. It's too much for her. You're going to have a son this time next year. And she's like, oh, ah, say it's not so. But surely enough, sure enough, comes to pass. The word of the Lord will come to pass. So she's rewarded for her generosity. Kind of amazing. Even though she objected. And this child comes, miracle child. They were old. It's a miracle baby. And the child apparently is old enough to work with the reapers. So that it's agricultural. They're, they're probably bringing in their food, reapers, sowing and reaping. It's an agricultural term. And so she's out there. He's out there working with dad. And he gets a headache. Now, you read commentaries, and they'll tell you, well, he probably got heat stroke or sunstroke or something like that. But there's something wrong. He has a headache, dehydrated. Something's wrong with him. Some say, well, is it aneurysm? We have no idea what it is. All we know is he had a headache. And like every good dad would do, sent him off to mama to be comforted. And uh, so he goes off to mom, sits on her lap until noon and dies. Now, I don't think, well, there are some of you that understand that level of disappointment. The level of death disappointment. Everyone here is going to go through disappointment. Every You're breathing tonight. You will go through disappointment. And the scriptures are filled with people that have gone through disappointment. And they're filled with people that have gone through disappointment and responded the right way. 
and filled with people that, that didn't respond the right way and the turnouts of, of each of them. This lady responded the right way. And from her, these few verses of Scripture, we can glean how to learn not to give up. Don't give up. Say it to your neighbor. Don't give Say it to your other neighbor on the other side. Ready, set, go. Don't give So how she handled her disappointment, how she handled death, teaches us quite a bit. But it's not just death. It's, it's, it's the word of the Lord promised to her that dies. So it's really the death of a dream that came from God. It's really the death of a miracle that came from the hands of the Lord. A supernatural blessing that then dies. And she fights. She contends for her miracle. There are so many lazy people, and I'll throw myself in there too. I can be lazy sometimes. I mean, my flesh just doesn't want to get up for EMP, early morning prayer. You know, I need to say this. I heard, I heard it mentioned somewhere earlier. Maybe it was on the islands, but... Somebody said, you know, morning prayer is just, you know, it's good and everything, but that, that's like, doesn't really refresh my soul. My time of, with the Lord is, is, you know, my time with the Lord, and, and so I don't really want to go to morning prayer. Now that, I understand that, because that's the way it is for me. But let me just tell you something that you might not understand. When you come together in corporate prayer, it does something in your life and for us corporately that you can't do in your own prayer closet. You simply can't do it. You say, what do you mean I can't do it? I can do all three. Stop, stop. There is a corporate anointing that comes at, at morning prayer. comes now. This is a corporate. Look, and you, can have a, you can have two or three gathered. Yes, he's there in their midst. That's different than what's happening here. Is one wrong? No, they're both good. You need to have a prayer time. need to have a prayer closet. Shut the door so that your father, when he hears what you're saying in secret, will reward you openly. Why would you have to shut the door? By the way, unless you're praying out loud, I just thought I'd throw that in, you shut the door because you're praying out loud, mostly. Meditative prayer is very important. David did it. Meditate on the word. Davening, uh, scholars talk about davening is when they're, or muttering is another thing that they, they call it, is where they get a section of scripture and they repeat it over and over and they would start rocking and it's called davening. After David. I'm meditating on the Word. That's a good thing. Corporate prayer is so important. I have found this over, over the 16 years of, sorry, 17 years of being a pastor, an extension pastor, longer time in ministry than that, but about 17 years is a, 16 and a half years, pardon me, of being an extension pastor in KC. We're mandated to do morning prayer. Mandated. In other words, doctors, you will have one. Okay, yeah, great, awesome. I, and, and you'd like to think, well, I, of course, I'm going to have one anyway, even though he doesn't want me to have one, even though it's not a rule at KC. Even though if it wasn't a rule, I'd have one anyway. Okay, so I've had times in my life as a pastor where the last thing I want to do is get up at 5.30 in the morning and go to prayer. And yet I would force myself as an act of obedience. And then I played games where it's too hard for me because God talks to me around 1 a.m. I'm, I'm cruising with the Lord in the night mostly. Well, I'm getting a little older, so, but, but I mean earlier years. So, I mean, at 5, you know, in the morning comes very early. And so I thought, well, we have to have morning prayer, so I'm going to delegate it. And so I'll have a leader in the past, I've had a leader or a staff person, and we'll have it, but they can lead it because the Lord's talking to me around midnight. Do you know what I've found when I've done that? First of all, morning prayer dies. And for those of you online and pastors, got pastors that tune in from all over the place, they, they call and tell me, if you're not, you, your church has to pray. And if you don't lead it, brother, I'm just going to tell you, you're not going to have an effective prayer ministry. You can have all kinds of intercessors praying, but if you're not praying, it simply is not going to do what God wants to do in your church. It just won't happen. And so I've found this ebb and flow in my own heart. I've tried to delegate. It didn't work. You know what happens? The increase of strife and the increase of little ankle-biting problems in the church triples. You know how many we have of those right now? None. What? Are you serious? Well, 
might be one. But it won't be living after tomorrow. Because we're going to resolve it in love. Amen. You know, problems come. I, I, I've gotten off track, but you need to get that, that. That our time of morning prayer, if you can't make it, I understand that you're driving to Anchorage, you're doing your thing, you've got to sleep in because you work the night shift. Praise God. Awesome. If you can make it and you're not making, you don't have to check yourself, especially if you're a leader in this house, be rebuked. And you've got to get yourself in a place of prayer. You have to have your individual prayer. Yes. I didn't get this message while I was at morning prayer. But I'll tell you what happened in morning prayer, more than I even understand. And so as morning prayer rises, I find an increase in the rising tide of God's presence, not only in my own life, but corporately. And you cannot substitute corporate prayer. It doesn't have to be in the morning. But I think you're ordering your day when you do it. I think you're giving them the first fruits. You're saying, dude, dude, I don't really talk God dude, but Lord, I'm giving you the first fruit of my lips. He said, well, I can't make it. Then don't be under condemnation. Let's see if you can catch some of our corporate time. we got 8 o'clock prayer upstairs uh, right before service in the morning. And so, anyway, let's get back to this text. She fought for her miracle. Oh, yeah, lazy. Many people want God's manifestations of power, but they're not willing to put themselves in a position to receive it. So they have sort of a, a genie, you know, uh, rub the lamp sort of theology. Well, or, you know, just trusting God's sovereign because you are good, good, all Lord. Yeah, he is. And there's a bad, bad devil. Yeah, there's a bad devil and a good God. And you're in a spiritual war. Come on, you're in a spiritual war. And if you think you can win just because you came to church and you smiled and did your hair or, or something, you're mistaken. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent lay hold of it. This lady didn't roll over and say, well, I guess he's dead. I guess the Lord just wanted to take him home. Well, oh well, had a son, he's dead. Oops, let's just move on. I guess I'll help my husband out with the reapers. No, she understood that God's the one that gave her the child. And she said, oh, no, 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 I didn't even want one. I gave up. You're the one. It was your idea, God. It was the prophet's idea, so it's the prophet's problem. It's your problem. God, it's your problem. But I, I'm not, obviously, you didn't, you didn't bring me a, a supernatural child to break my heart. I mean, I think that's what she's thinking. She takes the boy up to the prophet's room, and she lays him down. She's saying, Lord, if you don't come through and raise this boy from the dead, either this is a prophet's tomb or the word of the Lord is true. Either it's a tomb or the word is true. Which one is it? Did you give me a son you wanted to bless me? Or is, is, is this it? Because we just close off the extension then and make it a tomb. Close the room down. She didn't tell her husband. I love that. So the boy's dead, goes up to the room, lays it down. Nothing happens. I think that was an act of her faith. Saying, man, this is a miracle. I'm just going to put him. That's where, you know, come on. I'm going to lay him down there. And she goes off, and she instantaneously puts a tweet up. And she goes on Facebook. No, no, no. She, she, uh, she, she takes an Instagram picture of, of the dead boy and posts it for prayer. Now, she doesn't even tell her husband. Now, I'm just going to tell you. I believe in communication in hus with husbands and wives and families and friends, and you need to have good communication. But what she did was she, she took it on the chin. She, was, she knew she had to go to God. Many people go to people before they go to God. Many people go to Facebook and all that stuff. They go get on the phone to auntie, whatever, when you didn't even talk to God yet. You know, you're, the situations and circumstances of your life, I find that they're ordered in two ways. The problem that you're facing right now is either orchestrated and allowed by God so that you can draw closer to Him and see the victory or so that you can draw closer to people. People, people, and grow closer to them and see the miracle. And if you try to do one and don't see the breakthrough, it could be that it's the other one he's trying to get you to do. So if you're talking to all kinds of people, you're not getting any peace, you're not getting any solace, 
you're not getting the breakthrough. Maybe it's designed for you to get in your prayer closet and press in to touch the hem of his garment. Could that be? So she goes on to hunt down the man of God, and she finds him, and she clings to him, verse 27. And I love how the prophet says, man, I don't even know what's going on with her. Is everything well? Yes, everything's well. And she holds on to his feet, which is like major no-no. Don't touch the man of God. Don't touch the prophet. And that's why Gehazi comes to push her off. You're not supposed to do that. Breaking all protocol. And he says, no, no, leave her alone. How many of you know when you're desperate and you're broken, the protocol could go right out the window? You ever see somebody who's really desperate for God? They don't worship all cute and stuff. I'm talking snot running, lose their minds, full sprint from the back. Full sprint. Full sprint. There's no dignity about it. All piled up in a heap of flesh and boogers everywhere. <laughs> Amen. But why do you think we got, we got tissues and stuff? When you see somebody that's sincerely broken, hungry, and thirsty for God, that's not some kind of, oh, bless me, God. Bless me, Jesus. No, no, that's, that's busted in half, alabaster box. Lord, you don't touch me now. I don't know what I'm going to do. That's, that's a different, that's what this lady was. I don't know if you've ever been there. I'm going to tell you, if you ever get to a place of disappointment and hurt, and you get to a place where you just don't know what you're going to do, throw yourself at God and don't come off the floor until he touches you because that is a place of miracles. Lock yourself. You ever locked yourself in a room? You ever done a 40-day fast? You ever done, you, you know, it, it's not that you don't have a lack of faith. I think it's more that you're contending against even darkness. We don't understand. Don't be lazy. This lady, this lady went, I think it's seven miles from where she was to where Mount Carmel was. Seven miles. Now, we know that she's, she's older. She's a long hike in the sun, especially if he had heat stroke, the boy, she says, I don't care what it takes. I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get to morning prayer. I'm going I'm to get, I'm going to spend time. I'm going to push myself away from the table. I'm going to pray. I'm going to turn off the Netflix, and I'm going to shut down the Facebook, and I'm going to get into your book, God. And I, I'm going I'm to pray, and I'm going to read this, and I'm going to hold on. God, I'm disappointed. Lord, why am I going through this? Lord, show me what's going on. God, God, help me, and begin to intercede. She travels a long way, and she clings to the man of God. Listen, you need to cling to the Word. Cling to Jesus. Cling to Jesus. And she's fighting. She's not giving up. Come on, say, don't give up. And she has this persistent faith. Listen, God stand over his, stands over His Word to see it performed. He doesn't stand over your opinion, and He's certainly not standing over your emotions. He stands over his word. And when you know that you've done something that God has told you to do, and when you know you're acting upon the word of God, when you know you're standing on the solid rock, the unshakable rock of God's word, then don't be moved by any emotion. Don't be moved by circumstances. Don't be moved even by death. And she, she does this. And I, I'm, I've grown concerned about, about marriages. Because there, there are many marriages where people just like, man, I just don't feel in love with her anymore. Well, I just, we fell out of love. What kind of, what kind of spirit is that? Come on, someone say, what kind of spirit? What kind of, some hyper spiritual nut job fell out of love? Give me, give me a scripture for that. In fact, in fact, Brother, sister, why don't you define what love is for me and let's see if you actually have it. And you have people that will throw in the towel because it's just a little difficult. Just, you ain't feeling love right now, you sissy. Just pretend I'm the guest evangelist. I've been doing, I've been traveling a little bit. I'm a little aggressive right now, praise God. I mean, most people don't even really know what love is. You define love. How do we know what love is but one man lays down his life for another? You done that? You been crucified for her yet there, Bubba? Bubba, Bubba, worshiper of your flesh, have you? No, listen, there's so many people that quit. Not Listen, if it's not you, then, then, then don't put the shoe on. I know many of you are contending, fighting, learning how to do that. I'm trying to say what I'm not saying. And I am trying to offend the person who's just absolutely self-centered 
and focused on their own needs. And I've gotten concerned over marriages that just fall apart. Come on, you got to be like, like the woman with the issue of blood. She pressed in. She pressed in. Like the blind man who waited patiently. He pressed in. He pressed in. And... I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. Yeah. And suddenly, and suddenly, and suddenly. You know, suddenlies, the suddenlies of God are frequently based upon a bunch of crazy people that won't give up. Where are the suddenlies of God? They're coming upon those who were in an upper room who didn't get discouraged and ran away. 500 people saw him ascend. Why is there only 120? Because the rest quit. The rest gave up. Don't give up. Like the woman with the issue of blood, she comes, 12 years, suffered by the hands of physicians, spends all of her money. I mean, that's pretty discouraging. You're broken, you're bleeding, and you're not even supposed to be upon a crowd because you could get stoned. She's breaking Levitical law. She's unclean. She should not even be in the crowd. So she's risking her own life. And she hears about Jesus, hears about the Messiah, and she says in her heart, the text doesn't say this, but I'm reading into it a little bit, I don't care if you kill me. I'm dying anyway. I'm gonna, maybe he can help me. And she presses through, bleeding all the way, touches the hem of his garment, all of those people. And she's the one. And Jesus says, somebody touch me. They're like, what are you talking about? Everybody's touching you. Yeah, different kind of touch. A different kind of touch. Not a crowd, not a touch of the crowd, not a religious touch. A desperate touch broken, I'm not going to give up touch. God, I need you to come through for me right now. I'm going to die if you don't come through for me. That kind of touch different. Two different kind of touches and she receives her miracle. He's on the way to, he's on the way to raise Jairus' daughter from the grave, 12 year old. Jairus gets disappointed because his miracle is interrupted by some bleeding lady. He wasn't worried about her but she got her miracle, and I think he lost his job because he was a ruler in the synagogue who went to Jesus. We don't know, but Barn blind Bartimaeus on the road to Jericho cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people tell him to be quiet. You know, religion will always tell you to be quiet. Religion will always tell you to shut up. Religion will tell you just don't, just stay in the box. Stay in the box. Don't yell. Don't worship too crazy. Don't get too loud in your prayer. Just behave yourself. And he cried out all the more. Jesus, son of David, his very declaration was saying, you're the Messiah, you're the one that we've awaited. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. His declaration basically is a declaration of salvation and belief that he could do something. That the, 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 the son of man, the son of God could do something for him. Desperation, if sincere, will cause you to look like a fool in the face of your peers. Desperation, if sincere, doesn't mind being laughed at. Desperation, if sincere, doesn't really care. In fact, doesn't even listen to anything that anybody else is going to say when somebody's really desperate. I've told the story before, but I just feel led to tell it again. My daughter, who's sitting in the back right there, my beautiful daughter, Hannah, who came with me to Hawaii and just led incredible worship. I mean, it was amazing. So proud of you, sweetheart. When she was born, she had all kinds of problems. And uh, she had heart failure. Her lungs were a little bit wet. You know, they just wasn't, weren't fully developed. Long story short, she was dying, and the doctors couldn't do anything about it. And she was on a table in a procedure room that I wasn't allowed in. They weren't going to let me in. You know, some dads are like that. However, the blinds that closed, it, that closed off the procedure room in this hospital, which was kind of like the Flintstones, 
In other words, I probably could have been in a better hospital, but it was what we had. The blinds that came down, there was those thin Venetian blinds. You know those micro-Venetian blinds? Well, one, as we would say in Hawaiian, got all kapakai. It was stuck. It was hung up. And it gave me a peephole about like that. And I looked over this window for probably 25 minutes as they tried to save her life. And they're trying to intubate her, for those of you who know what that is, trying to get in a breathing tube because she could not breathe on her own and her heart, her heart was failing and she was failing. She was dying. I'm watching my firstborn die. So, I mean, I was pastoring already. I had done, you know, I'm a, I was on fire for God. And I'm watching my, I'm watching my daughter die. And I'm praying in tongues, looking through this blind. And I start getting louder and louder. I mean, time goes on, and it's like, it's not working. They can't get, they've tried like six or seven times. They can't get the tube down into her lungs. We have a major emergency. And she would arc off the table. I'm talking all fours arcing her entire body off the table with, with four nurse on every leg. Girl's a fighter. You don't want to mess with her. Hold one holding each leg and her arm, all her arms, all her legs, up like this, arching off the table while I have absolutely made a scene in the hospital. You know why I'm making a scene? Because I know my prayer matters. I mean, I started feeling embarrassed a little bit. You know, I started feeling like, oh, God, come on, God. Oh, just calm down, just calm down. People are like, they look. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, come on, Jesus, I'm crying. Oh, come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus. And it just got so intense that I just snapped in half. Did anybody know what I mean? That's it. I had the window frame. I'm like, Ranga, ha, ha, live. God, you gave me my daughter. I mean, I lost my mind. I'm talking sweat running. My mother comes to me, and she says, son, you need to calm down. I said, oh, yeah, calm down. Why don't you take a look, mom? You take a look. And she goes, okay, I'll take a look. She just lost her mind and went off to some other, went over to some other wing. You know, you don't mess with the grandma, you know what I mean? You don't mess with the grandchildren. Come on, somebody say amen. I never even seen her pray like that. She just went off in some Holy Ghost hysteria. And I got back in the window, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. And they got to the place where I could not stand to see my daughter suffer anymore. I mean, it's like you touch her one more time, on break every limb you have, that's it. And so that, that, it's the last time I've said in my head, that's it, God. They don't do it this time. I'm going in, and I'm going to get a miracle, but they're not touching her again. As I watched her heart race to capacity, and then they would stop and let her calm down because they were afraid her heart was going to blow. So I watched this last time. I'm like, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. And it doesn't work. And I get up. I'm like, That's it. And the Lord says, don't do anything for 10 more minutes. I thought, 10 minutes. I mean, I heard him. 10 minutes. 10 minutes. 10 minutes is an eternity. So I watched again and again. I'm telling you, 10 minutes. I looked at the clock in that room. I saw where it was, 10 minutes. Again and again, 9 minutes, 30 seconds. That's it. And I'm interceding. I'm praying. I'm like, come on, Jesus. And they get the tube in. And when the guy did it, when the doctor got the tube in, this is what he did. Lifts his hands. That's what he did. He lifts his hands. And I was like, yes. I opened my eyes. I'm on the floor. Zero exaggeration in the story I'm telling you is absolutely true as I remember it. My wife is not even there. She's in a back room. And I'm on the floor, and I'm just thanking God. And I, I open my eye, close my eyes. I'm totally exhausted. Every bit of energy is gone. I open my eyes again, and the doctor's looking at me like this. And it was the guy that was the physician that was in the delivery room. And he says, are you all right? And he was a believer. You all right? I said, I am now. He said, oh, good job, Dad. He said, thanks. I pried myself off the floor, and she's sitting in the back row right now. I'm telling you, some of you have dreams. Some of you have things in your life that you've let die when God's trying to intubate that, trying to breathe life into the dream, trying to breathe hope into that thing. But you've walked away from the, from the table. You've walked away from the procedure. And you've given up because, of course, it's over. It's dead. Don't give 
up. Don't give up. Say it again. Don't give Because nothing is impossible with God. Come on, say hallelujah. The Holy Spirit works through, listen to me. The Holy Spirit works through people who are persistent. He'll work through people who won't quit. He works through people who are persistent. And you know, it wasn't just a woman that was persistent. In my case, it wasn't just me. We had a doctor and a, and a team that was persistent. Thank God for them. I'm interceding. I'm pers- I'm pers- they didn't quit either. She didn't quit. The prophet didn't quit either. He gets there. He does the first level, first, first, you know, steps of faith. Sends his servant, put the rod on his face. Nothing happens. She sh- he shows up. He shuts the door behind them. Some of you need to just shut the door. Shut, you just shut the door, get alone with God. She shuts the door, and he begins to pray. And then he lays his body on top of the boy's body. And don't think any weird thing about it. It was nothing weird, nothing perverse. And the flesh begins to get warm, but he still doesn't come to life. So he walks away, and he prays again. He's, he's not quitting. He's not giving up. He didn't give up. The woman didn't give up, and the man of God didn't give up. And the two of them together, finally there came a moment when his body began to shake, and then he began to sneeze. He began... (laughs) Seven times he sneezes. Listen, some of you are ready to quit, but you're only on the third sneeze. Come on. Come on, don't give up. Say it. Don't give up. I believe that God's speaking to us. Don't give up on your dream. Don't give up on your promise. Don't give up. Don't give up. If you know God spoke to you, then don't you get, don't you walk away from that dream. You contend, you fight, you pray, you believe. So why is this happening? I have no idea why it's happened. And, and why is the wrong question? So many are lame in so many areas because they don't know how to fight. Listen, I don't know whatever book you read that if it's easy, then it's God. That is, throw the book out. Well, if it was the Lord, it would happen by now. Listen, you got to know if it's the Lord before anything happens anyway. And if God does speak to you, then you contend. And if it's 20 years, it's so what? So why God doesn't do it instantly? I, I've shared this before. Things in my life, I you know, I don't know all, all about it. I don't know why exactly, but I do know some things why God didn't do things immediately for me. There were certain things that were instant. Other things, man, I had to fight for. And I, I used to talk to the Lord and be like, Lord, what's the deal? Like, can't can I just be at that place now? And I, and I would hear nothing. And so I would just somehow, good leadership on either side of me and the grace of God. Just kept showing up. Ain't nothing back there but dead man bones, so I guess I keep staying at the place where there's life. I don't know why it didn't happen yet. I don't know, but let's pray in the Spirit. You know, just get, Let me answer an altar call and get somebody to pray for me and get filled again. I don't know. Leak out about an hour later. Time for another service. Time to, time. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The Lord spoke to me many years later and said, if you, didn't, if you weren't desperate, you wouldn't have made it. So I allowed for circumstances in your life to bring you desperation so that you would stay clinging, holding on to me. I thought, really? And I, th- I thought about how, what my personality is like and the different dysfunctions that God brought me out of, and I realized, this is going to help somebody, I realized that if he had really hit me with everything, if he, if he had given me what I'm walking in now 15 years ago, dude, I'd have blown all over the walls and crushed a bunch of lives. I would have wouldn't have made it. So he loved me enough to put, listen, instant gratification. If it's instant, it probably ain't God. Salvation's instant, easy and free for you, very costly for God. Characters, God's working on your character. And if you have an anointing that exceeds your character, you're going to kill people. Some people have that. In other words, you have... You have more that's been given you than your character is able to walk in. And I'm going to tell you something, you're headed for a train wreck. 
And so what do you do? You just better get accountable, better start, better start talking and getting some help and get connected rightly so that you can, you know, not have a train wreck. Don't give up on your promise. Don't give up on your dream. The enemy knows how to bring discouragement. Don't let the devil rob you. Don't be robbed. Don't get hijacked. Don't abort the dream. Don't abort the baby. Don't quit. Don't give up. I'm going to tell you, in one moment, God can take the circumstances of your life and turn around, and bam, you walk right into destiny. I've seen it. I've seen it in others. I've seen it in my own life. Come on, you can do it. I remember two men, part of the church years ago. Pastor Alex, would you come? Part of the church years ago. And they were both fighting and contending for miracles. Both of them had to do with marriages. And knowing them and the other spouse, the men, the dudes were winning. They were winning. What do you mean? I'm telling you, I know, I know both sides. And I was watching the heart of the wife that had been so hurt and so wounded. I was watching her slowly turn. Guys are so... I was going to say stupid, but that's offensive to some. Slow. Guys are like, you know, like microwaves. Dude, yes. Women are not that way. And so he's like, I've been doing everything for six months. Man, we ought to have a miracle by now. And they started losing their patience. But I'm watching watching the spouse. I'm watching the, the wife is starting to... Starting to turn, starting to trust, just starting. Bridge is like three quarters of the way there. She ain't even going to build her quarter of the bridge, dude, till you're about seven eighths. Because she's smart. And, and, and so both wives are starting to turn, and I watched both of these knuckleheads quit. And I tried to convince dude, serve God. Love your family. Don't worry. Trust. If it takes a few years, what? Something you just celibate? And, and you're going to live for Jesus. He's going to help you. Ah, doesn't respect me. I'm like, dude, you committed adultery six months ago. What do you mean? the other guy that wasn't the case he was just married to his job he worked himself into the you know just working himself working himself working himself but never never having any time for her never having any time for the kids and and she just got weary and was just like didn't want to do it anymore he was mean he was angry and all that he gets gloriously saved good start gets gloriously saved starts building the bridge but but he quit she starts turning we're so close to reconciliation you know what's sad I'll tell you what's sad is their kids. Stupid, selfish. And I've been like that before. And so have you. Don't quit. God can do a miracle in your marriage. He can do a miracle in your kids. He can do it, but don't quit. Thank God for people who didn't quit on you. Thank God for people who didn't quit on me. Thank God that the Lord never quits on us, but the devil is a bad devil, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he'll put up a fight. I'm going to tell you something. You let, listen to this. Listen, I'm closing. Sort of. Let, let the size of the fight that you're facing prophesy to you. What is the devil so nervous about? Why would he pitch such a fit and try to push so much against you if he knew on the other side you're going to walk into the promises of the blessings of God that change hundreds of lives maybe? Or who knows? Who knows what's on the other side? But it, So he'll just hit you with a Goliath. He'll hit you with every kind. Let it prophesy. Let it encourage you. Every time we fail, we have a little expression in our, our staff. Got it from Dr. Morocco. When we really start taking shots in the Spirit, we let it encourage us. We say this. <laughs> Devil must be nervous. What you nervous about? Are you nervous? God's on the throne. Devil's nervous. 
Don't turn heel and run. Don't be a yellow belly sap sucker. Don't do it. Stand up. Set your face like a flint. Don't give up. If it's dead, he can raise it up. Don't give. Stand up on your feet and say it. Don't give. Come on, take your prophetic finger like that. Come on, take it. Take your finger and just, just say, I'm not giving up. Come on, say it again. I will not give up. Say it again. I will not give up. Hey, yeah. I'm not going to turn away. No. I'm not going to give up. No. I'm going to stand my ground. Gonna stand my ground, gonna stand on the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word, his word, his word will remain, his word will remain forever. His word will remain, his word will remain forever. I'm not gonna give up, I'm not gonna go away, I'm not gonna turn, I'm gonna set my face like a flint, I'm gonna see my miracle rise, I'm gonna see my breakthrough, I'm gonna see the word of God come forth. Oh, like a burning shining lamp I will stand I will not be moved by discouragement I will not be dismayed if God be for me who can be against me oh God's on the throne and the devil's been defeated God's on the throne God's on the throne God's on the throne God's on the throne God's on the throne, on the throne. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places ah, I can do all things through Christ who's strengthened I'm not going to move to the right or the left. I will not quit. I will not quit till every soul is saved to the kingdoms of men become the kingdoms of our Lord and God. I will not quit. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. into a place of just numb or, or you've gotten spiritually lazy and just sort of relegated whatever's going to happen to the sovereignty of God and you need a fresh touch of passion, fire, and zeal. You want God to energize you today to move forward so you don't quit. Come on, you need to be encouraged. Step out of where you are. Come all the way up to the front and the Holy Spirit's going to touch you tonight. Mighty. Oh, mighty, mighty.
righteous. You better pull your car over, Frank. Pull your car over, man. Pull over. Holy Spirit. Take your time. A little bit of traffic. Take your time. We'll wait for you. He's in Honolulu. There's a lot of traffic. Okay. You better press pause or something if you need to. Holy Spirit. Let a mighty wave come right now over Frank and all those online, those at home, those listening, discouragement go, delay go, a spirit of delay, release faith, persistent, unchanging, ever-growing, set your face like a flint, faith, the gift of faith, in Jesus' name. Say it with me. I will not give up. Say it like you mean it. I will not give up. Amen. Amen. And according to Revelation 12 and 11, if it means death, so be it. That is the only way you get victory. Consider your life not so much as to shrink back from death. That's a place of miracles. Father, thank you for what you've done tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or recommit to him, pray right out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all my sin. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Holy Spirit, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing in my life, what you're doing in the life of our church. Thank you, Lord, for each and every one of these. Let me say this. I'm closing for real. If you're able to make it to morning prayer, then do it. The flesh doesn't want to get up to pray. We're at the barn, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m., and 8 a.m. I'll be at the 7. It works for me. I'll be there from 7 to 8. That's where we have the most people come. But thank God for our commuters and different ones that come at 5 a.m., 6 a.m. God bless you guys. 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. There's 8 a.m. to 9. I'm going to say, Pastor, I'm going I'm to I'm try to make it. Lift your hand. Where are you? You haven't been coming. You say, I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to do it. Lift your hand high. All right, God sees your hand, so you keep your word. All right? Try to make, try to make two, three times a week. Try, you know, try five times. We're there six days a week, Monday through Saturday. You say, well, all right, set a goal. Make three times a week then. You say, well, I can't make it because, all right, well, I understand. That's all right. You say, well, I can, I can pray more. How many of you can pray more? I think everyone here can spend more time with God. If Jesus prayed, I think probably makes theological sense that we should be doing that. All right. So I'll see you tomorrow morning for those who raised your hand. You do your best. Set two alarms. I know people that got to set four alarms. Do whatever you got to do. All right. 
Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. And don't beat yourself up. You pray that God strengthens you. Lord, strengthen me. Help me to make it. My flesh is weak. God, help me. Wake me up. Help me. Lord, thank you for what you've done. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards us, oh God. Keep us. Give us peace. In the holy, matchless name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Women, go ahead, register. There's no more. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.